All right, guys. Nathan Bunnett, episode 35, the Halloween episode. I'm excited. Uh, I'm not going to lie, this episode's probably going to be a little bit shorter because I do have somewhere to be in about 30 to 45 minutes. Um, but, of course, Halloween episode, you know. Um, excited, man. It's going to be fun. Um, for all the audio listeners, uh, I am dressed up as Rick Astley, a.k.a. the... Uh, Rick roll meme today, so this uh this should be fun. Let's go ahead and get into some basketball stuff, guys. So first things first, I should probably talk about the elephant in the room, being a Spurs fan. Um, Joshua Primo got waived the other day, and it was a huge shock to me. Um, obviously, at first we didn't know what the reason was or anything. And it really hurt me because um, even when Ka- Kawhi left, like, it hurt, but, like, I don't know, like, there was the fighting with Pop and stuff like that with Kawhi, so I kind of understood it. Uh, and then with DeJounte Murray, I wasn't really that attached to DeJounte Murray, so I didn't really care. But Primo, Primo was completely out of left field, uh, obviously. Like, it was just complete surprise, caught me off guard. And Primo was one of the players that I actually really liked before all this came out. Um, and uh, it really sucks, you know. Primo is the, the jersey that I bought. Um, you know, he's the one that uh, I talked about the most. He's in my, he's the main focus of like my two highest viewed videos. My, uh, Drafting Primo was genius video uh, that Clan reacted to, and then I made the the rebuild video that was about Primo, and then all this comes out, and it's just like, well, there goes that. Um, now we have, yeah, the Spurs are just in a difficult spot now because um, as much as obviously I can't cheer for Primo now. Um, he was a great player, but he's not obviously a great person anymore. Um, and uh, I'm choosing my words very carefully there because he did have a lot of athletic ability, but with the Spurs, you have to have a certain image, and obviously that what he did did not help the Spurs' image, which is why we let him go. Um, and... Yeah, again, like I had him in uh, in all my all my videos, like I was hyped for him. Um and this this was a complete surprise. Uh I posted on my story uh, about an hour after he got waived that uh you know, if he ended up getting picked up by another team that uh I was going to still cheer for him cuz I thought he was an amazing player and I was so hyped for him. But then um that was before like everything else got out because shortly after I said that uh, me and again shout out to clans discord uh, did a little bit of further deep uh, further diving into it and they removed him from every single website uh, if you go to any Spurs website and look up primo it shows no results uh, there's no jersey sales anymore 
Um, there's no news stories about him on the, on the Spurs. Obviously, there's news stories about him on the NBA because he got waived and what happened. But, um, yeah, it's just, like, completely... Uh, they completely wiped him from, like, all, like, Spurs history, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, and, again, this was... Like, I, I had just said how much I hype him up and how much I liked him, but obviously the Spurs themselves were the same way, you know. Primo was the one that was being put in all of the commercials, all the sponsorships, you know, all of our, uh, all, all the self-credit uh, union, like, promotional material was made with Primo. Like, we were in the direction after trading DeJounte that... We were going to make Primo like our new franchise player. And he was going to be the face of the Spurs for a while. And now, obviously, we can't do that. So it's probably going to be Keldon Johnson or Sohan now, um, even though Sohan is just a rookie right now. But it, it's it's going to be like our new quote-unquote like main three is going to be Sohan uh Keldon and Vassell that we probably see in most of the like promotional material for the Spurs now um and again it was just like crazy seeing this like it was out of nowhere and it really hurt seeing it until uh what what came out about him so like originally I had wrote wrote down notes before it was revealed what he did but uh there was like some speculation that because he had mentioned mental health and because it was such a you know drastic thing that maybe like he had a uh how do i phrase this for twitch and youtube um he tried to unalive himself possibly uh there was speculation with that um but again it's like i don't see that like we kept coming, me and Quan's Discord kept coming up with, like, these theories about us, like, what happened, um, but none of them really seemed like a reason to completely wipe them off the websites, again, like, that was the main thing, was it, it had to, we knew it had to have been something big for them to just completely wipe him off of all the sites, um, and so there was just a bunch of speculation, like a bunch of people had joked that, oh, maybe he murdered somebody. And then the general consensus was that maybe it was sort of an SA thing, um, as in not San Antonio, but like the other SA word that I can't say. Um, and I mean, sort of, we were right in that, because uh, for those that don't know yet, um, Primo was let go and is now facing charges for essentially flashing people. Um, so, yeah, that's why I can no longer support him, and uh, it's going to be difficult for others to support him, I'm sure. Uh, and, yeah, he, he, like, basically deleted his Instagram account. His girlfriend went private on Instagram. Um and I don't know what else to say without repeating myself, man. I, I really liked him as a player, but sometimes the people you like the most end up doing the the craziest stuff behind the scenes, man. Um, 
and it sucks that we're not going to have Primo anymore because, again, I, I thought he was a great player. And, again, like, my rebuild video and stuff, like, was centered around him, and I was ready for him to be the new face of the franchise, and that's just not going to happen anymore. So we uh, we got to keep moving forward. So that's the only thing we can do. As Spurs fans, it seems like that's all we've been doing lately is just uh, sucking it up and moving forward, but it's what we got to keep doing. So um, now with the Primo stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and talk about some other stuff. Because um, I knew people were going to be wanting to hear my take on the Primo stuff with me being a Spurs fan and everything, but I think that about summarizes it. Um, so speaking of Spurs, former Spurs, uh, DeMar DeRozan dropped, uh, or didn't drop, <laughs> that would be crazy in one night. No, um, he totaled um, 20,000 points for his career last night, um, which is pretty crazy because he's only the 50th person to do that. Um, but something else that was great to see, um, and I've talked about this a little bit with Swiss Eel when Pop broke the win record and stuff like that. Um, the you really see the impact that like the Spurs and Pop can like have on people because it was really a sportsmanlike game you know like the Coyote mascot was like high-fiving DeMar and uh, you know they were hugging it out and um, at the end of the game you know DeMar and and Keldon and everybody are, are all hugging and high-fiving and doing all that stuff and DeMar was hyping up the Spurs for winning. The Spurs were hyping up DeMar for, you know, getting that 20000 And it was just really wholesome and good to see. Uh, again, sort of the, the, like, once a spur, always a spur mentality. And, like, loving um, loving the people that you used to play with and, and all that. So, um but other than that, there isn't much I have to talk about that. Again, it's an incredible achievement being able to, to hit uh, 20,000 points. Um, so, alright. Next thing I want to do on here, real quick, is I want to pull up the, if I should have it here, the Kia MVP ladder that the NBA posted. Because there's a lot of stuff I agree with on it, and there's a lot of stuff I don't. So let me go ahead and switch to this window, and then properties, Chrome. There we go. All right. So this is NBA.com, Kia MVP ladder, 25 names to watch. So I read through this a little bit, and of course they have the international players here. So Giannis uh, could very well easily win another MVP. You know, he's averaging crazy points per game right now, crazy rebounds per game right now. You know, Chris Middleton is out, and they're still winning a bunch of games, so he's really carrying. Um, and yeah, Giannis could easily win another MVP here. We'll just have to see. Um, the Luca one though, the Luca one really interests me because, uh, for those that don't follow me on Twitter, I had actually said, uh, at one point, uh, I tweeted out and basically said that if Luca, even as a Spurs fan, if Luca doesn't win MVP, 
in the next three years, then the MVP doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, Luka is one of the most valuable players uh, in the NBA right now. And he's he's just crazy dominant. He's an incredible uh, international player. And he's just doing wonders for the, uh, the Mavericks right now. And... Yeah, he deserves to win MVP sometime in like the next three years. And so if he doesn't, then the MVP would be meaningless at this point because Luka would deserve it. Um, Joel Embiid, um, obviously Joel Embiid has been in the MVP ladder the past couple years, but he always seems to get injured or something happens or he plays bad games and he doesn't end up winning so Joel Embiid is sort of once again uh, uh, just like the last couple years he's sort of like a 50-50 where it really depends on how well he plays throughout the season because Joel Embiid has like crazy dominant games where he's like an MVP candidate and then he has other games like last week that I talked about where he scores like five points so it really just depends on how he paces himself and balances out this season. So we have a, a few uh, veterans they also list. They think Steph Curry could win it. Um, I mean, it's possible, but I think this is just sort of recency bias. Um, you know, he already has uh, two MVPs, so I don't know if uh, they'd be willing to give him a third one. And also, like, there's, like, obviously an argument for Curry to be an MVP, but there are other players that could get MVP as well that haven't gotten it, again, like Luka. Um, and so I, I don't know how I feel about Curry getting MVP. <laughs> the uh, funny one on here, uh, whenever I read this, they have Anthony Davis in the, uh, in the ladder to win MVP. And all I have to say about that is, um, no, because, I mean, Anthony Davis is, is injured, like, 90% of the time, and the Lakers are 0-5 right now, so unless he somehow stays healthy the rest of the season, which I really don't see ha- happening because it's Anthony Davis, um, and the Lakers end up winning, like, a bunch of games, which, again, I don't see happening because it's the Lakers right now. Um, I, there's no, there's no shot he's winning MVP, man, like, it's fucking nuts, like, why, why would you have him on the MVP ladder, like, that's, that's insane to me, um, that is possibly the dumbest thing I've ever heard, to have Anthony Davis right now in the MVP ladder when the Lakers are 0-5, um, Kevin Durant, same thing with, uh, Curry, you know, like, it, and, uh, Joel Embiid similar situation as well just like depends on how well they do this season uh, if he stays healthy you know like um, James Harden uh, James Harden I don't see winning it because again there's much other there's many other players that are much more um, like easier to see winning it like Luka I, even Curry I could see winning over James Harden, but at the same time, James Harden has been getting more into the quote-unquote Houston Harden, uh, and I talked about that 
the last couple episodes how he was dropping 30 points and all that. Um, so maybe, I mean, if he keeps averaging 30, uh, but we'll have to see. And frankly, I don't see him averaging 30 the rest of the season. Um, I mean, he could probably average like 24, but um, averaging 30 throughout an entire season is it's pretty difficult, obviously. So, um, and then they have LeBron on here. So I could see it as sort of a publicity play for them to give LeBron um, the MVP, you know. Uh, like it says right here, still in his prime in year 20, you know, he's about to pass Kareem. Um, you know, like it would it, it makes sense from a publicity standpoint for them to give LeBron the MVP with all the things that he's about to accomplish uh, in this 20th year in the NBA. But again, for it to make sense, like to make for it to make even more sense and more like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, for people to not just, like, ignore it or, like, for people to take it seriously, the Lakers have to win more games. And I don't really know how else to say that. Like, people aren't really going to take that MVP too seriously because if the Lakers keep losing. But at the same time, you'll have people saying, like, oh, he won it because he passed Kareem and all that. So, um It'll be, if he wins it, it'll be something that gets debated for years to come, just like the GOAT debate about, like, did LeBron really deserve that MVP? Did he not? Um, You know, does that MVP count? And does it not? Did he get it for publicity for breaking Kareem's record? Did he not? You know, and that's just going to be, that would just become a debate that carries on for decades, just like MJ versus LeBron. So... Uh, Kawhi, so Kawhi is one of the most dominant players in the league. We just haven't seen him uh, for a while. But um, depending on how well he plays, uh, he could have an MVP season because, again, Kawhi is one of uh, the better players in the league. But it just depends on the the Clippers record, uh, you know, how much he's averaging with John Wall now on the team and everything like that. So... Uh, 25 and under candidates. So Devin Booker, um, I mean, it's possible if the Suns do well. Um, you know, they, they've done well like the last couple seasons despite, uh, you know, the meme about Dallas and Luka beating them so bad. Um, so it just depends, again, like on the Suns record. And, yeah, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, I don't really see him winning it. Uh, like... They've been scoring a lot, but uh, the Celtics have been scoring a lot. But if you're going to give it to a Celtic, Jason Tatum would probably get it over Jalen Brown. So uh, Anthony Edwards, um, again, another great player, but I don't know if it's really MVP material. Um, John Morant. So John Morant is another one that I, I actually do see as very possible and could uh, could back up and agree with. Because he's playing really dominantly. Um, just like Luka, um, he's he's sort of a, a younger player, uh, so he doesn't 
uh, always jump to like the top three or the top five in like the MVP ladder because he's a bit younger. Uh, but he is really doing uh, crazy things with the Grizzlies. Um, you know, it even says right here, Morant finished seventh last season in MVP voting, and he averaged 28 points per game, six or almost seven rebounds, nine assists. Um, and I'm actually going to talk about him and Desmond Bain later because they have created a crazy backcourt together. Um, so, yeah, John Morant, like, I could easily see him, like, he finished in seventh last season. I could easily see him finishing at least top five this season. So, and Jason Tatum, I just talked about this whenever I talked about Brown. Uh, if they're going to give it to a Celtics player, they're definitely going to give it to Tatum over uh, any of the other Celtics, in my opinion. Um, Zion, uh, Zion, he just needs to stay healthy. And if he stays healthy, it's possible. Even though I feel like Z- people still see Zion as sort of a rookie because he's been injured for so long. Uh, even though he has been in the NBA for a while, but he hasn't played that many games. So it just sort of depends on the public opinion of like, is he too quote unquote new to get MVP? Uh, but yeah, um, Trey Young, um, Trey Young has the stats for it, but the problem is Trey Young's personality. Like Trey Young has built sort of his career so far on being the, the villain of the NBA. You know, he's like the cocky guy. He's the one that, that people chant against. He's the one that just sort of builds his brand a about being disliked which makes him more popular whenever he goes out and plays well it's sort of like the jake paul of like the nba where like jake paul's whole brand at this point is just like oh yeah people don't like me like keep chanting fuck you and you know all you're doing by saying fuck you is making me more money and all that um and that's sort of trey young's thing right now so It'd be really weird for him to be like, oh, yeah, you know, screw everybody in the NBA, and then he gets an award. Um, So he has the stats for it, but just based on, like, his whole sort of stick, like, I don't know. It would be interesting if he won it just based off, again, like, his personality. Uh, So they have some dark horses ones here. Bradley Beal, so definitely fits the the description of Dark Horse because the Wizards and him sort of go under the radar, but um, he does play really well. Jimmy Butler, I don't really see as a Dark Horse because I've talked about Jimmy in the Miami Heat multiple times, um, and you know they went all the way to the finals in 2020. Uh, I know that was a couple years ago at this point, but still. Um, DeMar DeRozan, uh, if anything, DeMar DeRozan should have been higher in the ladder last year. Uh, so it's really early in the season to see, say, if, uh, if DeMar is going to do the same thing this season. If he puts up similar numbers to what he did last season, then he definitely could. But it's just a matter of, you know, how many points per game he averages this season and how it compares to last season and everything. Um, Paul George... Um, it's going to be a lot harder to win it now that uh, Kawhi and John Wall are on the roster. But, uh, you know, if Kawhi ends up, like, sitting out a little bit, 
uh, this season again, then Paul George can do similar to what he did last season and really sort of carry the Clippers and more people will pay attention to it so he can move up in that ladder. So it's definitely possible. Uh, Damian Lillard, uh, simply just the same thing as every season, just Damian Lillard is Damian Lillard. Um, Donovan Mitchell, um, I don't know how I feel about Donovan Mitchell. Uh, He's on a new team now, so it's hard to say. Um, Yeah, that one's just a wait-and-see type of thing. Again, I I feel like other people would be above the ladder than him, but I mean, he's a great player, but I don't know if he's going to be MVP uh, in terms of voting and everything. Um, Carl Anthony Towns. So Carl Anthony Towns can be high in the MVP ladder. Um, you know, he's a center that won the three-point contest. He He's sort of really versatile. Um, he's able to do pretty much anything that he needs to do on the court and he's great on the offensive end, great on the defensive end. Um, he's a well-rounded player. Uh, it's just, again, a matter of the MVP candidates that are in front of him. So, all right. So that get that's finishes that, getting through the, uh, the MVP list. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is just something that I t- I've talked about a few times in the last couple episodes. But the NBA really has an issue with injuries right now. Um, As of right now, uh, Kawhi is already sitting out again. Embiid is sitting out right now. Zion is sitting out right now. And those are like the three three big ones I want to talk about. Um, So the question is, like, how does the NBA fix this? Because originally I had said... Well, it's an issue because some teams don't get enough rest. But Kawhi and Zion have been, like, sitting out, you know, for a while. So they've had plenty of rest, plenty of uh, recuperation and everything. So it's just a matter of are they playing Kawhi and Zion for uh, more more eyes on the game, more publicity, more views because it's, you know, Kawhi's big return, Zion's big return. And so they have to play these players more um, for like the hype around it. And then in doing so, Zion and Kawhi are sitting out once again because they returned after two years and, you know, they're going super crazy off the bat rather than easing into it. Um, more like they should because of, you know, the NBA or coaches being like, you know, this is your big return. We need to ham it up. You know, you need to go out there and score 30 um, sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, again, it's just not much else I can say on that, just something I really wanted to sort of bring up and touch on a little bit. Alright, so I'll go ahead and do these two topics together. Um, 40-point games are becoming much more popular, but at the same time, three-point shots have apparently been decreasing. So if I go... Where is it? Here it is. Wait. Where the fuck is it? I had the article pulled up somewhere... 
Oh, here it is. So from the NBA, once again, they say the 40-point club is open. It didn't take long for players to stop or to start dropping 40 pieces this season as the first six days of play have already produced seven 40-plus games, including a pair of 41-point games by Damian Lillard and an explosive 49-point gem from Ja Morant. Um, so they have all the 40-point games that are listed just like within the first week. Um, so there's even more now, I'm sure, because I'm recording this on the 30th, and these are all from before the 22nd. But uh, Ja Morant, 49 points. Giannis, 44. Damian Lillard, 41. Damian Lillard, 41 again. Joel Embiid, 40. Jason Tatum, 40. And Paul George, 40. Um, so, again, it's just the the crazy like shifts to offense that I've always talked about on the podcast and how there is less and less importance on defense now, which has led teams that are practicing defense to actually succeed much more. Um, so they have the – this is actually something I want to talk about in, like, future video I have planned. But um, if we look at, like, the points per game throughout the years, uh, you know, they have 2012 here, 98 points per game. Uh 2013 was 101 2014 was the only year that it dropped within the past decade from 101 to 100 then 15 uh it was 102 2016 105 2017 106 2018 had a huge jump from 106 to 111 um again because uh around this 2016 2017 year the Cavs and the Warriors were doing really well so people wanted more LeBrons, people wanted more Currys, um, that sort of thing. Um, 2019 had a little bit of a jump, just by decimal. Um, and then uh, 2020, it was a 112. And then 2021, it dropped again for the first time in a while. So 2021 went from 112 to 110. And then this season, it jumped back up three points again from 110 to 113. Uh, so again, just incredible importance on offense here. Uh, but what's crazy is that um, three-point shots have actually been been dropping. Um, so it's sort of contradictory things here. Like I would, I always said how there's an importance on the three-point shot now, uh, and how defense has been uh, increasing, and um, like teams have been. Uh, like teams have been moving away from defense and acquiring more shooters but if we look at what they say here uh percentage of three-point shots dips uh with the exception of a slight plateau from the 2009 to 2012 season the percentage of total field goal attempts coming from three-point range has steadily risen over the past 25 seasons which is what i've talked about before from 15 in 1997 to 98 to almost 40% uh, last season, 39.9 is what they say. The percentage has skyrocketed over the last decade from 22.6 in 2011 to 39.9 in 2021. Again, this is something that I have brought up multiple times, just uh, the fact that as more offensively uh, designed teams have done well in the finals and 
uh, had deep playoff runs like the Warriors, uh, they have teams have just simply taken that approach and seeing it works, and so they've shifted away from defense to more offense. You know, the last time we saw a hugely defense-centered team was the 2014 Spurs, and obviously it's been almost a decade since then. So teams are wanting more shooters and wanting uh, more offense, which is why we've been getting these uh, crazy 40-point games, it seems, almost every night now. So they go on to say, uh, following the trend, three-point attempts were on pace to account for more than 40% of all shots this season. But throughout the uh, throughout the first 10 days, this hasn't been the case as 38.2 of all shots have come from beyond the arc. Given the small sample size, these numbers could easily climb back up and surpass the 40% mark for the first time in league history. But consider this. Last season, the difference between the first 10 days, uh, 39.98, uh, and the entire season, 39.9, was minuscule. Um... So again, we'll just have to wait and see, just like they said, what it ends up being. But uh, they're saying here that uh, three-point shots have actually been going down a little bit. Um, and, you know, it would be crazy if the three-point shots were over 40%, because then that means that, you know, the, like, that's almost half. Uh, just think about that. Think think about that, like that those numbers there, forty percent of all shots from beyond the arc, like it's not fifty percent, so it's not it's not exactly half, but that's only ten percent away from half. Uh, that's a crazy amount of shots from beyond the arc, and I've said before how I like a more defensive game. Like I really, um, like people may disagree with me and i've said this before and people have attacked me for it and disagreed with me but um i i really wasn't that much of a fan of the finals this season like the finals this season were boring to me with the warriors and the celtics because i would turn it on and there was almost no defense like it was just it was just three-point shot, three-point shot, three-point shot, three-point shot, three-point shot, three-point shot, back and forth, Warriors, Celtics, Warriors, Celtics, three-point shot, three-point shot, three-point shot, three-point shot. And it's just like, okay, we're just seeing how many threes we can shoot in these four quarters. And nobody's really crazy defending. Um, and I like seeing defense. I like seeing it be more of a close game where people have to, you know, they have to get creative with uh with their shots as to how they get around defenders and how they create openings and you know um i i don't know it's it's boring to me whenever all it is is just con con uh constant scoring where the the games end up being like 130 points to you know 120 or something i like seeing more of a you know the uh quote-unquote the way it used to be you know not to sound like an old head but like you know 101 points to like 99 versus uh, you know 100 and whatever um so i don't know this again it's just something that i i've talked about multiple times and the reason i also think that 
um, this shift is sort of going back the other way is something I've also talked about a little bit, which is uh, we're seeing the resurgence of the tall positions in the NBA. So, uh, you know, we're seeing more players like Giannis. We're seeing more players like KD, uh, like even players like Jared Allen, uh, Evan Mobley. Um, you can even go as far as like the players that were traded, Rudy Gobert, uh, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, you know, and the the list goes on. Uh, that we're we're seeing more uh, big men like power forwards and centers actually have a dominant role nowadays um, in terms of basketball because of their rebounding and defending skills which, uh, again, just goes back to the point I was saying where uh, because the NBA has been so defensive or offensive these last couple years, these defensive teams are really shining out because, um, you know, if if you're able to stop your player's biggest uh, strength but uh, they're not able to pick apart the weaknesses of you, then obviously you're going to win. And so... That's one reason the the Bucks have been winning lately is is not necessarily because of their their offense but more of their defense. Um, so again, like I don't want to talk myself in circles and repeat myself, but it's just we're the NBA has been seeing more success with uh, players like Giannis and uh, these bigger positions now that the league has gotten so small and gotten so short and gotten so shooter heavy that uh, the bigger international guys have, have just plowed through them. And so, um, you know, we've we've been getting players like Chet, players like uh, Jabari Smith, uh, Jalen Duran uh, that have been drafted uh, that are more like bigger players. Um, and then this next draft, obviously, with um, Victor Winbayama, everybody tanking for him despite him being skinny. Because, uh, again, I talked about him like the last episode – um, of him just creating uh, so much shot opportunities based on his verticality. Um, and, yeah, it's just a fact of play, uh, NBA teams will want to do what works. And so for a while, what worked was getting more shooters. But now it's going the opposite direction of, okay, everybody's a shooter, and so now the league is so small in terms of height that these bigger and more muscular players uh, are basically turning into mini shacks where they can just, you know, plow through these like six four players. Um, yeah. All right, so I'll go ahead and talk about some last couple things, and then we'll go ahead and end it there. Um, so. Something that the NBA has obviously announced is they want to go ahead and stream all of Victor Wimbayama's uh, games this season, which is kind of weird and hypocritical to me because, again, we talked about last episode that Adam Silver is trying to stop teams from tanking. Um, But at the same time, they're like, oh, yeah, let's play every single game of uh, this kid who's about to be drafted. So... It's like they don't want teams to tank, but they also want the attention as to why teams are tanking, uh, which is just going to make them tank more. 
But uh, I also do understand it where it's like if you know teams aren't going to be that competitive this year and there's going to be less eyes on the NBA, you want to still keep those view numbers up. So they're going to uh, make the game streamable for Victor Wimbayama so they can see and get hyped for this player that's about to be in the NBA and everything. Um, but uh, I just wanted to uh, to just sort of give like my short 30-second comment on that about like how it seemed a little weird and hypocritical that it's like, oh, yeah, we don't want teams to tank, but check out this draft pick. Um, so, yeah. Um we can go ahead and talk about Memphis and then the Bucks versus Nets as well. So the Bucks weren't doing so great in the first half against the Nets, but they ended up coming back in the second half, uh, which goes back to what I said last episode with the Bucks being a lot better at uh, pacing themselves. And you know, usually it was a case of the the other way around where Bucks were crazy good the first half and then they lose the second half and then that sort of started the rumor of Giannis doesn't know how to close games out and that sort of thing so now they've sort of worked on that and they're able to pace themselves a lot better um which is why they came out the second half and just went crazy um and then obviously with the Bucks Nets game there's uh uh the Bucks Nets game like uh, Steve Nash had that crazy technical where he was yelling and stuff like that and I actually really think that that's good for the Nets because for a while you know Steve Nash was a new coach and people weren't really sure about like his capabilities and like all that um, but that really like as much as like it's not good to get a tech that really helps in like the long run of the team because that really shows the team chemistry and the care for that he has uh, for his players. And, you know, he said in the interview afterwards that like he was sticking up for his players and everything. Um, and it really reminded me of like, uh, this is going to be a weird comparison, but uh, uh, if you've ever seen the movie The Blind Side, you know, uh, there's like a flag on the play and uh, the coach like starts yelling about like the, the BS flag and everything like that. Um, and like, uh, Michael Orr or the actor that plays him in the movie, at least, uh, you know, obviously is like, uh, don't worry, coach, I got your back since you got mine and like all that. Cause it was like, he's like surprised and like shocked and like, it's emotional, you know, that like the coach is like sticking up for him and everything. Um, so it's like, like it's like sort of a same situation. Like Steve Nash is like sticking up for his team. So like the team has like Steve Nash's back more now. Um, and then I also wanted to like the last thing with the Bucks and everything. Uh, they're using Lopez a lot more efficiently, um, which again goes back to the whole defense talk, because they sort of used him as an anchor in the paint, um, where if anybody tried to come in the paint, you know, Brooke Lopez would be there and block it. But uh, with more and more shooters in the league now, and even though we were just talking about like the three point shot decreasing, like with more people um, shooting from beyond the arc or in the mid-range, like, it doesn't really help to just have them in the paint the whole time because then you're basically, you know, four on five if Lopez just isn't moving in the key. Um, so they're they're having Lopez move around a lot more to block sort of these, uh, these shooters and everything. 
Uh, so they're using him much more efficiently than they previously have, which is good. Um, with the Memphis Grizzlies, so I already talked about this a little bit uh, when we were going through the MVP stuff. But uh, John Morant and Desmond Bain, man, uh, they are creating a crazy backcourt. Uh, you know, with uh, just like Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, you know, Curry, Klay Thompson. Like, they are really showing that uh, they should not be going under the radar. Uh, John Morant and, and Desmond Bain, like, um, they uh, they are a crazy pairing that uh, I don't think a lot of people have recently paid attention to, but they were really showing uh, that they they deserve uh, to be recognized and they, they deserve to have eyes on them, you know. Um, and it, it's definitely going to be a team to watch this season with how crazy they've been. Uh, and then it's just similar to what I've been saying before with uh, Steven Adams as well. Steven Adams being a, a bigger player, so um, he's able to sort of dominate over smaller teams where uh, he can get rebounds and he can defend, get blocks, all that good stuff. Um, uh, last thing on here, and then I'll go ahead and close it out because, again, I do have to go somewhere, guys. So apologize for this episode not quite being an hour but you know we we at least hit the 45 minute mark so um so with the lebron and kareem obviously uh i had predicted that he'd probably break it around the pacers game on february 2nd um and i redid the math obviously now that there's been a few more games and uh, i'm pretty much still on pace for that prediction uh, as of right now, LeBron is a hundred or not a hundred, a thousand one hundred ninety-six points away. He's averaging about twenty-five point eight points per game, so that is forty-six point three uh, games to break it, which would lead to uh, him breaking it on the New York Knicks game on January thirty-first, which is the Lakers game right before my original prediction, which was the February second Pacers game. So, again, I think it's going to be somewhere late January, early February. Um, so we'll have to see. But um, I just think that uh, so far I'm still on pace for my prediction. Uh, so I'm still going to obviously try and predict exactly which game because uh, depending on I might try and get tickets if they're not like crazy expensive because uh, that's why I'm, I'm trying to predict it this far out because it's like if I wait, uh, if, if say he's going to break it like, February 2nd and I'm waiting until January to get tickets then the tickets are going to be like $2,000 for like nosebleed seats uh, just like Curry whenever he was breaking the record uh, but I do have some more stuff I, I in my notes uh, to talk about for this episode I just don't have the time right now so uh, I'll probably save them for the uh, the next episode uh, if I can. So that's all I have for this one, guys. I appreciate you sticking around and watching or listening if you're on the audio version. Uh, go subscribe to YouTube, all that cliche YouTuber stuff. You know, we're about, tw- we're less than 25 away from 500, uh, which is really cool. Like, again, I want to hit 500 before the end of the year, and we still got like two months to do it. Um, so that would really uh, make me happy, and I would really appreciate it if we hit 500. Um, so like, subscribe all that cliche YouTuber stuff, share the video, all that good stuff. Um, And I think that's about it. So uh, Nathan Bennett, episode 35, guys. I will see y'all in the next one. Peace out.